Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with Derek Freeman. Derek is the head cross country and track coach for Springs Valley in French, French Lick, Indiana. During this interview, we cover Derek's background in the sport, his introduction to coaching, what he's learned in almost 20 years of coaching, his thoughts from a small school perspective on a variety of things relating to the state tournament, and much more. Derek is extremely driven to be the best coach he can be, but even more than that, to help build the next generation of youth. I really enjoyed this interview and learned a ton along the way. I hope you all can take away a thing or two as well. Without further ado, I give you Derek Freeman. Welcome to the Indiana Runner podcast. Glad, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for doing this. Um, I guess first off, congratulations. Uh, boys made it to semi-state for the first time in school history. That's pretty amazing. It's, uh, I don't know if it's fully sunk in yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess what were the expectations heading into the season? Like, did you, was this the goal all along or? No. No? Okay. Um, I, you know, I knew that we had a good group of two or three kids coming back um, and then some younger kids that were coming from the junior high that, you know, need a lot of development. But um, we had two seniors who are both pretty good athletes. Um, one, um, and they just both decided one and plays basketball, the other one just plays golf, and they decided they wanted to run and I thought well you know I told one I jokingly told one of my assistant coaches after the first day we're hot day out there the boys take their shirt off and here they are with these eight packs and I said well at least we're gonna look like athletes (laughs) (laughs) and uh and so I mean they both turned into being the perfect four and five runners that we needed and uh so it's been you know one of them he actually kind of wanted to run because he was a little influenced by uh, his cousins who run for Carmel. Okay. Yeah. So he, uh, um, he had thought they had talked about running and he was like, well, I'm not doing anything. So I'll give it a shot. So they kind of fit the mold of who we needed for a four and five. Dang, that's cool. Did it, did it come together towards the end or was it good from the start or. So I've, you know, I've had both avenues of, training kids for the you know training cycles and going through the whole process and I've had kids that you just join out of nowhere and you're like okay I got to get this kid in as good a shape as I can in a shorter period of time and uh um they I kind of I knew they were athletes and I just thought let's you know tried to sit down with my coaches and figure out the best way to attack it and mm-hmm. it just kept getting better those two did every single time we went out and it just kind of like we had glimpses early on that I knew we could be pretty good. But as the season went on, I was like, this could be something pretty special, especially which when it's supposed to be kind of around our conference sectional time, I was like, wow, we, if we all five run on the same day mm-hmm. on our best, we could be pretty dangerous. Yeah. Uh, how much did it mean to the kids to, to make it there? Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where it's a, um, Cross country is the best of both both worlds. You know, you have your individual side, but you also, you know, you got your 
team side and it truly is a team sport because of the advancement side of it and so mm-hmm. um, you know I, I saw kids who started the season knowing that their goal was I'm going as far as I can as an individual you know one of them was at aspirations of going to state and he just you know he missed it by a little bit and just kind of that situation where they you watching them develop into runners you're like team became first and foremost almost mm-hmm. to a fault you know at regional I felt like my number one and two kind of ran probably their worst races of the year because they were so so stressed trying to get their team mm-hmm. to they, they ran tight and tense and and uh so it, it kind of um they just they 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 became a very team oriented group and you know that became a primary focus and I was as a coach you love to see that they're running for each other so yeah Absolutely. Uh, we'll get more into it a bit later. Um, but I want to open it up with a little tear talk. Um, and I sent this to you a couple of days ago and I, so it's going to be best scary movies. And I just thought it'd be like fun with the, the season, you know, but I think we were both like, we don't really watch scary movies or it wouldn't be our first choice. Well, I don't know if I've seen one since my, since my kids were born. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think like you said, I'm, I'd choose a comedy anytime. I like a good laugh, but if you were to have me do my top three Will Ferrell movies or something, I'd probably struggle with that one, but yeah. Yeah. You want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, I can go first if you want. That's cool. Uh, so these aren't even like true scary movies, but they're like kind of scary. I don't know. Uh, so number three for me is a quiet place. Have you seen it? I have. Okay. Um, I, my my brother in law kind of forced me to watch it. He's really big into scary movies, so. Okay. Yeah. He's There's like. The, isn't there a second know. one now? Yeah, there. I haven't even seen the second one. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was cool. It was like it was a different type of movie, you yeah. know. Um, but it's definitely not one that I was like was dying to see again. Yeah. Number two, true scary movie, The Conjuring. Okay. It's a solid one. Very for sure i feel like i don't know i feel like with most scary movies like i just don't like really believe it or like i don't know like it just doesn't feel like real i don't know maybe yeah they don't like it you don't see it happening in your life yeah like you hear people like leaving a scary movie and like can't sleep at night but i'm like sleep like a baby (laughs) and and then number one is get out i was just i don't know if it's even that scary either but it's just like such a good movie so I've never seen that one. Oh, really? Yeah. I would definitely recommend. Okay, get out. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so my my top three were kind of, I don't know, I picked mine off of like movies that were, I thought they were kind of entertaining too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but mine are a little on the older side too. The Shining. Oh, that's a good one. I've actually, I haven't seen it, but I know it's a classic. It's a classic. It's kind of all three are. Um uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nice. That's uh, you know I'm dating myself a little bit with these '80s movies. And, uh, <laughs> number one, Silence of the Lambs. Nice. So, that's a great list. I I don't you know. I don't, it may be that I picked all classics because I haven't really seen any of anything newer. <laughs> yeah. The one that I purposely went and watched was The Ring. I think. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah, I was I was prepping for this and I like looked up like the best scary movies of all time. 
and i realized i just have not seen like any scary movies because wow. actually the three you named were like top 10 top five all time like on a lot of these lists um just because yeah they are classics but yeah. maybe this is the season this is the time of year i should start watching some more <laughs> scary movies uh, not my house my once once we get about november my wife tends to drift towards the hallmark channel and i <laughs> i don't blame her <laughs> yeah cool um so i kind of wanted to start from the beginning with yourself um what uh do you have a background in running um did you play other sports growing up like how did you get into the running space it's that's it's interesting um so when you come when you talk about running i if it was much more than 200 meters i didn't have much to do with it um, <laughs> i was a football player um to this day i resemble more of a defensive lineman than a distance runner um so i in high school i actually it's kind of funny when i was younger i ran junior high in high school and i was a sprinter through my freshman year i kind of got a growth spurt and then after my growth spurt I didn't run track or do anything for a very short, for I think it was both my sophomore and junior years. I just, football was really all I did. And then mm. some of my classmates, my senior year convinced me to come back out for track. And I uh, uh, ended up throwing shot, putting discus and being the best thrower on the team. So, wow. um, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I did try, I did try um, cross country in seventh grade for like a week. And I was, <laughs> I, I, I went and joined the football team because it was too tough for me. <laughs> okay. What high school did you go to? I, I went to Springs Valley. Oh, no way. Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, did you end up playing football or, or throwing in, in college or? No. So that's, it's kind of funny. I, so I had people tell me, and I'm not, you know, trying to, we kind of, throughout my high school career, we had coach, we had a new coach every single year. And even after I graduated in track, we had a new coach. And um, so nobody ever really taught me what I was doing. And I had some people tell me, like, later on my senior year, hey, if somebody would have taught you how to throw a shot, put in a discus, you could have probably went to college to do that. Wow. So I didn't, you know, kind of as a high schooler, I was like, well, that that sucks, but I can't go back and fix anything about it. It's over and done with. So, you know, go off to college, come back. And, and when I get back to, to French Lake, and, um, I'm back at the school. There was a guy taking over um, the track program from a neighboring, like uh, it was like a neighboring school, uh, mm -hmm. Northeast Dubois and uh, same age as me. And he just came and was like, Hey, you know, I'm just taking over the program. I plan on staying more than one year. There's, you know, we hadn't had a coach who stayed more than one year since maybe the mid nineties for track. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was a turnover rate constantly and they were, um, I think they had even hinted at getting rid of the program at times. And he's like, I'm going to stick around just looking for some help. And so I was like, well, Hey, I'll come out and help with the throwers. And mm -hmm. I didn't have anything, any clue what I was doing, but uh, I kind of, kind of because people told me I was good, but, like could have been good. Mm -hmm. I kind of got into that mold of, I was always a person who wanted to, um, have always been a person who wants to help others. And so I just thought to myself, you know, these kids, I may not be the best coach, but I'm going to be the best coach that I can be for them. So mm. I just 
dedicated myself to learning about throwing and uh and i mean i ask any and everybody at meets like crazy i'm sure i pestered and annoyed some people but i just would go to meet and ask and i would go look up things online and i would read about it and mm-hmm. ever since then that was nine well it was 20 years ago going this spring it'll be 20 years ago so uh, so you got, you got your introduction to coaching through being a throws coach. Yes. Yes. Um, were you just the throws coach at, at first? I was. Uh, kind of, it was probably the first uh, maybe six years, five years. I was just the throws coach. And uh, um, I mean, my first year, if I remember correctly, that between boys and girls track team, there were 10 kids and six of them were throwers. Wow. So, so I was... <laughs> 60% of the kids I was coaching. And, uh, you know, I just, as time went on, we started, um, we started getting numbers out every year. You'd get a few more kids in the girls team and the boys team. We started becoming a little more competitive and uh, we just kind of grew from there. And then we had some kids who, I don't know, it's kind of like an introduction to sprinting coaching for me was we had a kid who um, wanted to be a good sprinter and I was still young and, still single so i would meet him in the weight room in the mornings and open the weight room so he could lift and i thought well i'm going to be in here i should learn how sprinters should lift and i mm. i'm going to be in here i should learn about sprinters and then you know him and one of my throwers i started taking him to indoor meets for a club in the in the winter and i just it just kind of snowballed mm, okay um did you like before you were asked to be the throws coach did you want to be a coach like did you have aspirations of coaching or I wanted to be a football coach. Oh, okay. I actually was. I mean, at the same time I was a track coach, I was also a volunteer with the football team or then a little more then which rolled into some time with junior high and varsity coaching in football. I actually was coaching junior I had actually went back to coaching junior high football when uh, um the when the cross country job came open. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um so it seems like I don't know. I, I like how you have this, uh, I don't know, just always wanting to learn mentality. Like you're, I don't know, you were, didn't know much about throwing at first and know much about sprinting when you came into that position. Like where does that drive to, to grow and to learn like come from? You know, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like I, I'm kind of not, I'm not driven to be like, I don't want people to think of me as the best coach but I want the kids that I'm with to have as good a quality as they can, regardless of the, mm. the where they come from. Um, that should never be an excuse. The fact that we're a school of 264 kids should not be an excuse as to why they don't have quality coaching. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I've always thought about, you know, giving, if I'm going to do it, I'm, and I've always been this way. It's kind of a thing when my father, we were raised on a farm. And if you're going to, he always said, if you're, anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Mm. So he always said, give a hundred percent of yourself to anything you do. So, uh, you know, I just kind of always had that mentality of I'm going to give a hundred percent of myself to this. And, um, you know, it, it uh, it's funny because you can kind of look at trends of where I've been involved in coaching from when I started out as a throws coach to then sprinting to, um, then taking over, you know, distance slash cross country kind of one of those deals where you can see where I've gotten better as a coach because you can definitely see the product improve mm. see where I wasn't very good when I started um, <laughs> there's kind of a curve that you can see there but 
and I mean, don't get me wrong too. I've been for, for a 1A school, a lot of my friends would tell you that I've been extremely, extremely blessed with some athletes mm. for a small school, especially, especially the throwing and sprinting side of things. Yeah. Uh, what are, what are some, uh, I guess, lessons that you learned early on or, um, whether it be with throws, sprints, even distance now, what have you learned along uh, the way? In each, each step of the way, I've always learned that, um, that you don't know it all. Um, but just gotta be hungry to try to know it all. Like mm. there's gotta be this insatiable urge to learn. Like you can't be satisfied. And so, um, and I've also learned that our sports track and cross country are two sports that, that it's a pretty tight knit community and people like it's a sport. They're sports that people don't want to see them die. They, um, they want to see them thrive. They want to see them continue to grow. So you can pretty much go and, you know, you can get a hold of people all around that you can have uh, conversations with and they're going to be willing to help you. You know, you approach people at meets and you, you, you make relations, build relationships with other coaches. And so that was kind of one of the things that I learned early on that's benefited me a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we were talking before this and you have a ton of connections. Um, how, uh, what, are, what are some of the influences or who are people have influenced your, your coaching um, along the way? That's a, that's a long list. It's, it's yeah. kind of fun. I'm probably one of those people that will, will gladly tell you too, that there's plenty of people that I've coached that I now turn to for advice. Um, mm. I'll give the example of two sprinters. We've had two very successful sprinters um, that have graduated and uh, went on. One of them went to Indiana state and broke their school record in the hundreds, won the Missouri Valley conference in the hundred. And I ask him questions all the time about sprinting. Um, mm -hmm. another young man is, is, uh, actually sprints for university of Louisville right now. And he broke their indoor 200 meter record this past winter. And, uh, you know, those are, I picked their brains. So those have been some of my influences, believe it or not, is learning from my mistakes and learning from people who went on. And, um, but I never really had that. Like this was my coach or I, I ran or threw for this guy, you mm -hmm. know, kind of influence. I, it's been my peers. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of my peers here in Southern Indiana that I can pick up the phone anytime. I, I would, I would be scared to look at some of the call logs with some of these coaches during the season, you know, uh, Jason Barnett, Perry Central, Jeff Ballmer, who I probably call more than I call my wife, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff Ballmer at North Harrison. Um, you know, when I first came into coaching, uh, Vic Betts was at Northeast Dubois and, and Daryl Newkirk was at Paoli. And they're two guys that, you know, I watched them retire and I watched their, their track complexes at those places be named after them. These are guys that did it for 40 some years. And, you know, Vic Betts' son, Dustin, went on to, he was an Olympic qualifier or Olympic trials qualifier for the marathon. Um, you know, and I just, there, those connections have rolled into more connections. You know, Dustin was trained under one of the best coaches in America from, from somewhere in, in Arizona. And so like, I pick Dustin's brain all the time. Um, I, I mean, I could go on. There's there's tons of them, and I know I'm forgetting somebody, but there's a lot of coaches that I've kind of, you know, been picking their brain and kind of just mentored me and been there and been willing to help. And, you know, uh, Pete Lashley from Heritage Hills is one too. I spent a lot of time talking with him. So 
you know, there, but that's the best part about them is those peers is a phone call away and they're willing to help you at any time. Uh, Kevin Ship at Jasper, he helps me a lot too. Of course, mm-hmm. I live in Jasper and my wife teaches in Jasper. So, you know, he's just, he's not far off, but I mean, he, Kevin would be willing to, you know, if he needed to, he'd be willing to share any and everything that he does. And they're, they're a successful, you know, program from the South. So now I, I could go on. There's a lot of people. So, yeah, it's, it seems like, I don't know if I, I don't put myself in their shoes, like coaching for a while, having a lot of success, it'd be super easy to like, not want to share what you're doing or not want to help out a fellow coach, especially when they're competitors yeah. as well. Like, what does that say? I don't know about the people in your region, about um, Indiana cross country and, and track as a whole, like the people are willing to help each other out. And I don't know, it's yeah. just really cool. It is. I, I had somebody once I, I do a, um, myself and a couple other coaches in Southern, Southern Indiana, we do a throwing camp every summer for shot and discus down here. And, and I do, I will get in the summer. I'll do a lot of private lessons and somebody asked, well, you know, are you afraid of, of them beating you? And I thought, you know, I always tell people it, if they're, if I'm giving them, you know, two days a month for three months and they're beating the kids that I'm seeing on an everyday basis and I'm probably not doing my job anyways, mm-hmm. but you know, we got a, a, those kids, they all, you know, there's, I've watched kids that I've given lessons to go on and be successful. And that's what it's about. You want to, you know, one kids that, that I know of is that at, uh, um, um, he's at, uh, Bellarmine on a full ride scholarship um you know and not and I'm not sitting here saying that's me that got him that I'm just saying that that's uh you know those kids they've got at one point in time they're gonna those jerseys are gonna come off and they're gonna be productive productive members of society and we gotta try mm. to help people be successful no matter where they come from that's huge I feel like something I have to remind myself like, all the time like why why am I in coaching why what do I get in this for so because it's I don't know. Like it, we do want them to succeed. We want to succeed as a team. We want to beat the other teams. Like we want to be the best team that we can be. But at the point when you're like thinking illy about other teams or like these are high school kids, you know, and like if I was coaching for another school, I'd want them to do the best. And so, yeah, I feel like it's yeah. easy to forget, but something you need to keep in the forefront of your mind for oh. sure. It's very easy to forget. Um, I mean, I'm still guilty of it, you know, you, but, you know, like you said, they're just, they're kids and you, you want to root for them to be successful, but you also, you know, you, you, you obviously want to win. I mean, mm-hmm. I tell, that's probably one of the first things I tell my kids every year for meetings at the beginning of track across country is I look them straight in the eye and I say, I will be judged off of your results. I will be mm-hmm. judged, you know, whether I keep a job or not is whether you got, whether we produce as a team. But I will. Ne- I always tell them I will never judge you off that. You know, mm. you show up and work hard. At work hard for me every day. You're getting good grades. You're treating each other with respect. Then, then we're we're good. Then you're doing what I'm asking of you. And, you know, hopefully every coach, you know, tre- treats kids to do the same things. And, uh, you know, maybe just, just maybe we can produce some kids that'll go out there and do things that'll change the world and be be good citizens and friends to each other. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, like he- we're heading into the state meet, obviously. And like what I don't know, like we want to win. I want us to win, obviously. But like what what happens if we don't? Like, does that 
like it's gonna be okay and like it as again just reminding myself of like why am I here why am I coaching like you said it's to help build these these young men into productive members of society um, to be good friends to be uh, I don't know to build that like brothership as a team it's like if we I don't know if we get second if we get whatever like it's it's fine you know (laughs) like life goes on it is um and it's you're exactly right and it's I mean those you know if you guys don't win Saturday it's going to be hard and finding the right words to say to those kids is really difficult in that moment I mean it's not a it's never a fun fun conversation to have with people but I you know I was through our through our regional run and our our sectional run I was um I was encouraged and honestly I was brought to tears by some of the other coaches from other teams and rooting for us and that knew our story and knew where we you know how good we were running and how we had not ever just we'd never went to regional before Mm -hmm. and um, you know to like receive the messages and the people running up and like giving us bear hugs from other schools and stuff like it it uh i loved that my kids got to see that that they Mm -hmm. knew that there was not like a a line between it because you know i i know some coaches up from your area they're phenomenal people and that like would you know i i it's funny i sent a, an email to um gabe porus just mm. to tell him hey you know your team's been running great you know you guys are doing phenomenal and uh and he turned it into an email about how good our season's been and now you know <laughs> lifting us up and uh, um so there's a there is a lot of good people in this world and um you know it's a uh it's 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 very hard sometimes to teach kids that that's more important especially when mm-hmm. when the highest prize in your state's on the line <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um how let's say you're showing up to practice maybe it's been a rougher day than normal like how do you or even just an average day like how do you continue to like show up for your kids to stay present like to be like you said the best coach that you can be uh that sometimes it's hard so i'm Mm -hmm. a um it's it's hard all the time let's just put that way if you've had a bad day i'm a uh i am an elementary special education teacher Mm -hmm. and we we right you know you can't really sugarcoat it we come from an area that sometimes is not the most well-to-do area and i see a lot of things with kids and families that just make me sick in my stomach so mm-hmm. I do have some pretty rough days and uh, um, I'll never hide it. My faith has always been a real big reason why I'm able to um, kind of conduct myself and deal with things um, compartmentalize. So I, I do, I do spend a lot of time before I go from one building down to the, to the practice area. I'm always, um, I, you know, I'm always saying a prayer. I am constantly listening. I try to listen to one of my songs that kind of gets my head in the right place. Um mm-hmm. But ultimately, one of the big things that I've found in the last couple of years that really works for me is I, I just tell the kids beginning of the year, hey, if I'm being a jerk or a grump, you have all the right in the world to call me out and say, hey, coach, mm. you have a bad day. You're being a jerk today. Or you're being a grump. Or you're, you know, you're and, and it works because when they notice it and they call you out on it, you're like, OK, my bad. <laughs> like you just, you, you know, all you can do is throw your hands up and say, you're right. I'm sorry. And. Um, honestly, sometimes that's led to some of our best practices because I've had some mm. times where I've had to say, you know what, 
I'm in a bad mood. I'm trying to take it down. You guys, let's play a game. And we just kind of shut down what we're doing and we'll play a game or we'll, I'll send a manager up to the press box and throw music on, um, <laughs> you know, just something to change the mood. But um, mainly it's, it's my faith. Um, mm-hmm. That's big. Uh, you know, I got a lot of different ways of coping with it, but that's probably the biggest one. That's awesome. Um, what would you say the like kind of balance of importance is between like culture and training? Like how much time do you spend thinking about like, I don't know, like when you're talking, just made me think of like you, you're creating a, a positive culture there where the kids feel like they can talk to you and talk to you freely. Like how, what's the importance of that? And then like, obviously like good training is obviously, you know, important as well. Like where's the balance? How much time do you spend like thinking about those things? Um, I think the balance changes. I think the needle swings Mm -hmm. as you build culture and your culture gets to a place that you want it and you know that your kids come in and out. Um, oh gosh. (laughs) The dog. Yeah. The dog. (laughs) Um, as the culture continues to change, um, you, uh, you get you build the culture and the kids that come in know kind of what's expected and you know you get that year in and year out turnaround of the older kids are kind of setting the tone for you it's easier to think about the training aspect of it and you know to um to put in more of the hey we got to do the work that we got to do to be successful it it comes easier once you've built the culture now early Mm -hmm. on getting kids out there you know i we just went through a change recently in our junior high programs for both track and cross country. And one of the big things that I told them from day one was, I don't care if you're the worst team in our conference. I want these kids to enjoy themselves. Mm. I want them to enjoy themselves and I want them to come back and want to come back. And that's, you know, that's got to be a number one priority. And until you can make sure that that's happening, you know, everything else kind of needs to take a back seat. And uh, so I feel like that kind of that balance is something that, you kind of got to feel with each team and each because they're all, they all have different personalities. Yeah, that's for sure. So, so you come from a football and throws background and then you got into coaching with throws and then sprints. How'd you end up on the distance side of things? Um, did you want, want to get into that or were you asked? I did. I did. Okay. Um, so we had, I mean, I don't remember the timeline, but I, we had a situation where cross country job came open and we had not had a, I mean, we hadn't had a junior high program for a couple of years mm. and a guy was, his son was in the sixth grade and his son didn't want to play football. And so he was like, Hey, he would approach the school. Hey, what if I start a program? And they were all for it, you know, and he did recruit and got kids out. And when the job came open for varsity, I put my name in for it. Another person put his name in for it. He was a teacher as well at school, but he had been teaching at the school for a while and coaching other sports. And so they, they gave him the job. Uh, you know, that was fine. I kept coaching um, track and I kept trying to stay in as good a communication as I could with him. And then um, at one point in time, he contacted me. I was preparing for the football season as a coach in the fall. Hmm. And he, told me he said hey I want to resign from cross country but I only want to do it if you'll do it if mm-hmm. you'll take over and uh I I just basically like it was a no-brainer because at the time um probably track was 
the weakest area was probably distance. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had a, we would occasionally get a kid or two here that would kind of come through the program, but we had not had a solid group that, you know, was running good. We could put together for four by eights and we weren't getting those kids that, you know, and it was kind of, and I don't want to say this to like put down anybody in the past, but some of our, our records were a little embarrassing. Our four by eight and our 800 records weren't the, the greatest. And, uh, so we just, we, so I thought, well, I need to, I need to embrace this. Um, we were building a good, good core group of coaches and track that were very supportive and it made my life a lot easier. So took it on and, and here I am just finished year seven. Uh, uh, what was it like transitioning from a, a sprints coach to a, a distance coach? Did you know much about distance running taking the job? Um, I did not No, okay. <laughs> I had a lot to learn. <laughs> and, um, Year one was uh, kind of a co collaboration between myself, Google, and the, <laughs> and the, uh, the coach from uh, uh, the coach that started the junior high program. Um, he was his son was going into his freshman year. He continued to coach the junior high program, and we together just kind of started doing it. And I just, every, you know, it was funny because when I would go to, like, for example, the coaches clinic, go to the coaches clinic, my attendance shifted from sprints and throws to distance you know presentations and um i started seeking out more distance coaches and i started same thing just making making friendships and learning and picking brains it's kind of how it went yeah are there any uh, big things you've learned over those seven years about yeah. distance running kids can handle more than you think they can mm. um i, like that. I uh, at first I, I don't know if i and part of it came from that sprinter's mentality of, you know, rest, lots of, uh, lots of recovery because it's a very intense, intense training on the body that, you know, you, you put a sprinter through. So you kind of, it's a different approach. And I just, it took me time to realize that, that they're not going to break. If you do it right, you know, you can't take a kid from X amount of miles and jump him up a bunch to, you know, another level um, without doing it the right way. But I also learned that like, these kids can do this and you know i even approached it from the like aspect of hey this is what you need to do to get better this is what you need to do to reach your goals i'm not mm -hmm. gonna force you to run on on you know on saturdays that's your day i'm not gonna force you to run on sundays that's your day but you know this is what we need to do and the kids were like hey let's do it i want to do what i need to do i want to mm -hmm. be successful i want and so my biggest thing was they can handle a lot more than what you think they can and you're not going to break them and you're not going to push them away. Hmm. That's good. Uh, what are some of the highs or lows of uh, your time coaching so far? It can be distance. It can be sprints, throws, any, little, um, any moments to get both. What'd you say? How about a little bit of everything? Okay. Yeah. That stick out. Um, I'll never forget the first, first group of kids that I coached that went to stick back. That was a pretty big mm. moment. Um, it was 2014, okay. and if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but since 2014, I'm wanting to say we've only, between girls and boys track, we've only had one year we didn't at least send one person to state since then. Wow. Um, that was big. Um, both of those two kids that went to state that year went on to Division One schools and did good things. Uh, one of them is a, a doctor now a chiropractor out in St. Louis. The other one's uh, runs a successful business in Las Vegas. So, you know, we, 
You were those were some big. That's another big thing. My highs are when I see these kids go off and do great things in life. That, let's just start with that. That's mm. that's one of my big highs. Uh, then um, we had never. I mean, we we started small. We had small goals. So track wise, you know, um, we had never won conference as a girls team, and our boys hadn't won it in twenty some years, and uh, in our conference, and so the coach that I started coaching with. And then after he left and I took over um, conference was our, our goal. And uh, 2016 was our first conference. Then uh, 2000 and our girls won four in a row. They hadn't ever won it. Then they went four in a row. Wow. 2017, our boys won again and we haven't lost since. Wow. So, um, my next, you know, and then, you know, so then you move on. We almost won sectional last year. We came up a little short. We were trying to knock off some 5A schools, but we were just a wee short. But uh, um, so, and then obviously this uh, this year had to be um, uh, this year cross country had to be mm. an enormous high for me. Um, obviously, just watching these kids work so hard and be successful that's uh, it's been a pretty big high for me. Um, lows, I you know, I kind of tend to turn turn lows into to learning experiences mm. uh, and grow from them one of the biggest ones was actually during track regional back in the spring um it's kind of a kind of a crazy day like even within that track meet there was some highs and lows within the meet like it started off and a distance or a discus thrower was throwing over there and he was all tense and not throwing well and i go over to watch we had the number two seat in the 100 meter dash and he gets called for a false start and uh, he's overdone. And my assistant coach films all the starts and uh, my sprints coach. And he was not the one to fall start. He was the third one out of the blocks. His kid to his left moved. And so then he moved after two mm. other people moved. But he's the one who got called, got DQ'd for it or, you know. Yeah. And so that put me in a, a situation where as a coach, I had to, I had to deal with Calm, calming him down, calming myself down as I'm <laughs> in the middle of the tracks filing a protest. Um, <laughs> and then it led to, you know, we had to calm him down because he went over and jumped twice at long jump and almost didn't make the finals. And he, we got him calmed down. He made the finals at long jump and he still didn't jump himself, but he qualified for state and long jump. And then, then he went and qualified for state in the, the 200. So the 100 was his best event, but, um, we had to calm him down and that taught me some stuff. But one of the big reasons I feel like, you know, it taught me to the low taught me to use it for a lesson is I'm trying, I'm personally in the process of doing, trying to do a write up to maybe affect some change in the track tournament that would mm. be for the positive. Um, one of the things that, you know, an official said to me that day was that, we can't look at a video unless it's official video. Mm -hmm. and so then I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I have a tinge of smart aleck to me sometimes. <laughs> so my, my response was, well, you know, it's 2022 and we can launch a rocket and land a rocket, <laughs> but we can't videotape. We can't have official videotape at sectional and regional. <laughs> state. So um, it's one of my, my things is I, I'm going to try to get a proposal before the coaches association to, see if we can get official video at the tournament because mm. I don't want ever to have a kid to go through what he did because it just about ended up wrecking his, you know, 
wrecking his chances of state his senior year. Um, you know, it almost cost him his long jump and his 200 because he was so distraught about something he hadn't done. And I mean, it's clear as day on the video he hadn't, mm-hmm. but I had to use that even in that moment as a learning lesson. Like I got to calm this kid down. I can't be completely out of, out of my wits. And uh, um, so we're hoping that we can get some, uh, take that low and use it to affect change so that it doesn't happen to anybody else. And, uh, and we can uh, move on from it, but and it, it was cool to see even within that meet how he went from so it was like like usually happens in indiana in the spring there was a, a there was a rain delay at regional <laughs> so when we came back out um we had two kids in the high jump and it was he finished his long jump and got second and they ended up going one and two in the high jump one wow. a school at bloomington north regional but he was it was cool because afterwards he was like over there the biggest cheerleader in the world getting his team mm. up and everything and so even watching him change it kind of shows you how much they look to you and how much they they mm-hmm. they see what you're doing so those low those lows are just kind of one of those things where i try to turn them into lessons i'm sure there's a lot more lows in my life i'm sure there was sometimes i probably acted like an idiot at a meet somewhere but uh <laughs> but you know, that's been the biggest one. The one that's most fresh in my mind was just bad things happen. You know, you got to, it's how you react to them and what you do with them. Yeah, absolutely. I love that perspective. Uh, so part of the reason I wanted to, to have you on was to get some small school representation um, for, our, for our listeners. And so I, I have a few questions regarding, I know that I guess I want your perspective on as a coach for a, a smaller school. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, like, you're not speaking on behalf of, like, every small school coach and every small school athlete. Um, but you can at least give us some some insights and your own thoughts. Okay. Um, so first question, can you make an argument for and against a class system for cross country? Whew. <laughs> oh, can of worms. Um <laughs> Um, after this, I may never be able to post on the, the, the board ever again. <laughs> no, um, I, you know, it, it's funny cause I am kind of, there's days that I'm kind of swayed. I'm really big on talking to my kids and asking them what they want, because we do represent the smallest of the smallest. And, uh, you know, I, to a, to a person, a lot of them, like when I read your question, I, I ask a few of them and, and they're like, you know, they loved the fact that we went to semi-state. Mm-hmm. They thought that the thing that we did as a team being the last one, a team left in the state and what they accomplished and those, um, those memories they loved, but they all to a T said that they would love to have a chance to win a state title. And they mm-hmm. knew that that was never going to, that was never going to happen with what, mm-hmm. with what they were um, with the current system. Um, so I tend to be one of those people that, you know, I'm going to be a voice for them and their voices. They want to have a chance to, to win state titles. Um, mm. You know, regardless of what I think my voice needs to be for them, because this is their experience. It's not mm. my experience. I'm supposed to make this the best experience I can for them. And I know that the kids change every four years and it's not got to be the end all be all, but you know, I, I, I think that's a fine line though. Um, you know, I, I think 
you hear a lot of people talk about small schools and participation and i i fight that battle all the time mm-hmm. um, and success obviously helps um you know i've i've had a very big uptick in kids who who don't do anything and want to start doing some uh, off-season training this winter with us that's awesome for us mm-hmm. i haven't told them hey guess what next year it's going to be a completely different tournament and <laughs> you're you know it's there's not a semi-state to go back to um mm. but it's that it's all i just feel like it's a double-edged sword because you know we're we're the ihsaa is wanting to create a pro a system that eliminates more out of the first round mm-hmm. but in sense they might also be eliminating kids altogether in participation mm-hmm. i mean i'm not saying they will i would have to see numbers to prove that um but it does obviously percentage wise if you take ability out of it and you just do simple math and you take the percentage of kids in a sectional and the percentage that advances it becomes a more difficult math problem Mm-hmm. kids that advance drops no matter what no matter what level they go to and so you know i guess my a four a four to case for it i you know the current system really did cater to small schools and uh and not really the big schools um i feel like it's kind of a necessary evil if you want success in the small schools so my case case for again well i guess my case for leaving it like it is against Mm -hmm. it would be that you're going to see a lot more of you're going to see a lot more tangible success out of small schools early on but you're not going to see later on Mm -hmm. makes sense yeah Um, how much how much does so let's say it was classed and like, there's obviously a lot of debate on where that line would be if it was a, a two two class system. Yeah. Um, but let's say it was on the smaller side, like 800 or 600 was a was a class. Um, like, how would how does that affect recruitment for you? Like, do you think it would be a lot easier to get kids to come out and be excited about you know, a chance to win a state title? I, or I do, I do because uh, it puts you. I mean, you're still in the bottom. You're we're still in the bottom 25, percent mm-hmm. but the bottom 25% is a greater representation now. Um, so I would, st- you know, if I can look at, look at schools that we've competed against that are six, seven, 800, you know, this past year that had six, seven, 800 students. And we were, we were beating schools like that. Mm-hmm. And that you know, those, are, those are tangibles that I can point to. And I think it's a system that, you know, I, I think it's very easy that it could get watered down. I don't know if you know much about the, the Kentucky system, I don't. Um, I'm pretty sure it's four classes. Uh, and I mean, the smallest class system I, I looked recently and there was some, there was a school that if I, if I remember correctly, it was two high 18s and this is boys team, two high 18s, a mid 19, a high 20 and a mid 21. And they advanced to state. Oh, wow. Uh, and I mean, you know, good for them, but I think that's a mm-hmm. watered down system. Um, so, you know, if you, I don't want it to be so much that there's a system that I can just pretty much be like, Hey, you know, you come out, you be a warm body. You finish this race. We've got a good chance of going to state. Yeah. I want to work for it. But Mm -hmm. I, but I also, I think we've had enough success that we could, you know, draw the line somewhere and we can point to, you know, this is, this is still a system that we could be very successful in. Yeah. 
you know um so one one pushback i see and i don't i don't think it's a great pushback but it's playing devil's advocate is like if it was a class system then there wouldn't be I don't know, kind of like what you're saying a little bit, like waters down the meaning of like being a state champion or like, is, is there any truth to that or? Uh, so I've asked, uh, same thing. I asked my kids about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you obviously, uh, for us, we tend to compare ourselves to the schools around us. Um, and, you know, they did say that it is enjoyable for them to be able to compare themselves to kids from schools, the bigger schools, kind of bigger mm-hmm. measure. But, uh, you know, in the same token, I tell them all the time, that doesn't mean we still can't face these schools on a regular season basis hmm. that are around us. You know, we still can can go to um, meets at in the region that still have some pretty big schools in them. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know it's kind of like if they realign and let's say um, Angel Mounds down in Evansville becomes a, a location that we would go to. I'm going to do everything I can to go to Angel Mounds. I'm sure that we go down there, there's going to be a lot of Evansville schools that meets down there. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be bigger schools you're still going to see during the, uh, during the regular season. So, I mean, I can, I guess for face value, I can understand that, you know, oh, you're a, you're a state champion because you didn't have to face persons one, two, and three from these bigger schools. And so it's mm-hmm. not as valuable, but, you know, you ask me that question 20 years from now, they're still a state champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still going to have that title. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to take it from you, and people are probably not going to spend a lot of effort looking into who they didn't beat. Yeah. You know? That's um, a good point. So it, it's kind of it's one of those things that, you know, I think you're getting into a nitpicking, kind of nitpicking if you're trying to find – small reasons is why to not because I, I you know like i said i'm a kids based coach and mm-hmm. tell you right now to a to a person they like that competition but it, if they were in a two class system and they want a state title they'd be pretty darn proud of it mm, absolutely um so it seems very likely that next year it's going to be a 25 5 uh one three round tournament yeah. uh what are your thoughts on on that structure well, that's the one I voted for. So, um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, I I think if we're going to change, it's the one that gives uh, mathematically the greatest chance for success for us. Um, it's your it's going to be your smallest sectional sizes out of the, and I think it will probably um, accomplish what the IHSAA wants. I I mean I think to a to a certain degree it may not completely get them there, um, but you know I. I think I'm a, I'm a person who loves a challenge, you know, to go back real quick to your previous one about the two class system, Mm -hmm. you know, just to add to it, we had a kid who won the, uh, the 60 meter dash in the HSR one year and he was a state champion. I guarantee you, he felt just as good about it. He went down to, uh, um, he, he moved to Kentucky his senior year and he won a class state title in Kentucky and broke some state records. Mm-hmm. And he puts that, you know, because he beat 1A, 2A, and 3A in Indiana. And down there, it was just one size class. And he was, he loved it. He was, he mm-hmm. felt pretty darn proud of that state title. So I don't think not competing against the bigger schools bothered him. Yeah. Sorry to add to that. That kind of popped in my head. But um, 
back to the tournament, I, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I don't hate it. Um, if we're going to stay, if we're going to stay one class, um, I really like it for the sense that it's going to push kids a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you want to get to that next round, you're going to work for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we had uh, some of our girl runners who advanced to the uh, regional and one of them said, well, my, my, my goal next year is semi-state. And I was like, well, there's probably not going to be a semi-state, but you know, there's going to be a different tournament form- format and the next round is going to be second round will be regional and then it'll be state. And uh, I said, but regional will be more difficult, but it's going to take the same amount of work as it was going to take to get to semi-state. And so she liked hearing that. And mm-hmm. I just, I think that it's going to be one of those ones that's going to provide enough chances for small schools to be successful, but you're still going to have to work for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so with, with this new three class system, like what are your thoughts about, I guess, making, like, if you want to compete, in the state tournament, you have to run every round. Um, you know, currently some of the bigger schools have the luxury of getting to rest some of their their athletes. Um, are you kind of for or against? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, it's funny because when I was younger, I used to say, well, that used to aggravate me. And I used to tell people all the time, well, you can't, you know, you can't, uh, uh, you can't do that in other sports, which I mean, you can in team sports. You know, somebody mm-hmm. needs to be resting, you can still win. Um, but a lot of people use the comparison of like you can't run on a you can't be listed on a four by eight and track mm-hmm. and then show up at state and run the eight hundred, um, eight hundred individual. And I well, but track's completely different than cross country. Mm-hmm. It's completely different, and it's apples to oranges. Um, so for me now that I'm older, I'll be the first to tell you if I was in their shoes, I'd do the same thing yeah yeah in most if any, if there's coaches out there that had the kids that could either a compete for a team title or somebody who could compete for an individual title on a strong team that could maybe rest week one week two um or at least week one and they say they wouldn't do that i would find it hard to believe yeah um, you know if you had that ability you're going to do what it's right for that kid to give that kid a chance to to win and or those kids to win and and uh so i i'm for it i think if you got that ability go for it make it happen do what you got to do um i had to have this conversation with my with my team because mm-hmm. um one of my runners my boy runners has cousins on the carmel team and he mm. is talking about um how they obviously rested some people and he was like how do you get to do that and i had to have the conversation with <laughs> you know how how it works and how which he was a golfer, so he kind of figured it out. But, um, you know, just the fact that um, the kids kids notice it, but once you really you explain it to them, they were all the same way. They think, well, you know, if we could do that, we'd do it too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I just, it's definitely a, a tougher argument or t- like a more nuanced argument this one is. I don't know. I feel like even though I coach for – you know, a bigger school. And we like, obviously made use of that. I got, I don't know, something just feels kind of strange about skipping, just skipping around in the tournament. It um, does. But then again, like if you have, you know, a kid who can run in the 15s, like, do you want him in the race just to jog it by his standards? Like there's just so many different things to consider. Yeah. When you, yeah. you got to, you know, 
like you said, like if I, there's a difference between, between a school like that who can put in an eight, nine, 10 runner, give them a, that's young, give them tournament experience, mm -hmm. they get a chance to run, you're not losing a bunch. Whereas me, I have a freshman who runs, you know, uh, my next freshman ups are going to run a 24. Well, you know, I'm, you know, and he's just there. I, I would love to get him in there, but you're, you know, you're kind of in that situation where you, you know, he's going to get a run eventually because he's a freshman and mm -hmm. you kind of got to bide your time because you, you can't make those sacrifices. Whereas with you, not you with a, a bigger school, yeah. You know, yeah. they got that luxury. I, you know, I, I agree with you. It's a nuance. And I do sometimes I sit and think that's, it's kind of backwards that a kid can, go out and win a state title and never and not have ran round one or the, you know the current system won round one or round two but you know um it's it just kind of if you're going to have a system where you can have a roster that big and use anybody on it for injury then then you know it's it's got to kind of be that way <laughs> yeah for sure um so you can share as much or as little as you want with this question and we can even skip it if you want but i'm i'm curious of, of your answer if you're willing to share but what do kids on your team or even you yourself as a small school coach think about uh just generally i guess like schools like carmel the fishers north central the big schools um yeah i mean um i tell my kids all the time like i said i've made it you know i've made it very clear a couple times that we have connections with kids you know relatives running on the carmel team you know i know gabe porus because his his in-laws are from French Lick. Um, mm. So, you know, I have connections with people from these schools and it, it's, it's, I always tell kids they have problems just the same as we do. Mm. They're just different problems than we have. They also have benefits that we don't have, but we also have benefits they don't have. You know, mm. you know, a, a school like Carmel or, you know, uh, a Zionsville, those, those schools, it takes a small army of coaches and I don't feel like as a coach, you get to build the relationships with those kids as strongly as I do, because mm -hmm. me and my nine boys and my six girls, that's 15 kids total that I get to build relationships with and build lifelong friendships with. And let's face it, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to very often probably produce a kid who's going to go off and get a pro contract, but I might, you know, produce the kid who's going to take a life lesson and go um, go off and do something big for the world. And I, I just, mm. um, and, and those same people will come from the, those big schools too. But I, I just, you know, I always tell them they got, they've all got their same problems, different problems. They've all got their own problems, their own difficulties, and they've all also got their, their own advantages. And, you know, we have to, we all have to, it's life. We have to deal deal with the hand we're dealt and just because they're a bigger school than us doesn't uh, uh doesn't mean they put their jersey on any different than us and uh and you know we kind of got to roll with the punches if we were if we were kind of just want to teach the kids that you know if we were to make excuses and use things like that as excuses then we're telling them it's okay in life to you know well they had a better education than me so they should you know just kind of one of those situations where i have nothing against them i i'm happy for those people who put in that hardworking success. And uh, I also look at those schools as they're the biggest influencers in our sport. Mm. Um, they're the ones who spend most of the time in the spotlight. 
So they're the ones that I hope are the ones that are carrying the torch for us the best, you know, best way possible. Mm. They're the face of our sport. They're the ones that, you know, need to be the ambassadors. They're the ones that need to be the, um, the ones who are putting the positive face for Indiana running out there. Mm, absolutely. Those are some great points. Um, it's definitely true. Like I, I've tried to like know everyone. There's like a hundred kids on our team and I've tried to, you know, at least know everyone's name and like say hi to them and call it like say hi by name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even on our own team, like I, just the reality is I only have like close relationships with, yeah, like maybe like 15, 20 yeah. tops, you know, like I try to run with a different group of, of kids each day or at least, you know, switch it up every few days to like build those relationships. But yeah, it's just, it's tough to build any kind of deep relationship with, with these kids. Yeah. There's so many. And, you know, and I, like, that's kind of one of those situations where I'm not sure that I would, I would enjoy that because I'm the kind of person I would want to know every kid. And mm. you know, I'm, a, um, I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm a big giant goofball so I'm <laughs> making jokes with kids and we're just having a good time. But, you know, like, like after semi-state, we went out to eat as a team and I, I absolutely, like, I love that. Those are the memories that I love, mm. those kids are gonna love. And I'm not saying that you can't make memories like that at a school like, like Carmel, but just, it's just a different, different form of doing it and so you know i i have nothing against those schools and i i wish them nothing but the best and i but um i i, I try to make it very adamant to our kids it's just a it, it's a it's a different world but it's not a bad mm -hmm. world for sure that's that's a great way to put it um okay these last few questions i'm gonna kind of tie together um so do your do your athletes have like a chip on their shoulder for competing for a small school and then also, do they like actively think about being from a small school? Is that something they like, yeah, that's even on their minds? They, so the chip, definitely. Um, mm. They, they do not, they do not like to use size, size of schools as an excuse. Mm. Um, they actually were constantly like, one of their things is they want to, they, they all season those guys wanted to, run for each other and they wanted to go to battle for each other that was kind mm. of their, their mantra and that's been that's the way our track program has been like we we don't care you know how big of a school they are um we made the this past saturday at semi-state one of the kids said uh, i can't remember exactly how i put it but he said there's he said i think columbus north was the biggest school at our semi-state and he said they're 10 times our size but they put seven people on the line just the same as us. Mm. <laughs> and, it, and I'm sure I probably said the same thing, but he said, we're going to, he said, we're going to go to battle. And, you know, they did. And um, so they do run with a chip on themselves uh, on their shoulders. And I don't really think I kind of, it's funny. I don't think they, I don't think they think of themselves a lot as like, Hey, we're just a small school. We can't do this mm. until they accomplish something. And they're like, Hey, we did this as a small school. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those situations where it's not really like in their forefront of their mind until then until it's thrust there until people are telling them hey you're the last 118 left in the state hey you you know you just beat all these schools that are bigger than you and so definitely a chip yeah I it, and i hope it stays there yeah absolutely i definitely see where that could be a source of pride for sure yeah um cool well, before we go to Coach's Corner, is there anything else you wanted to say about 
like this topic about small school stuff about um, the tournament or even going back to coaching. Is there anything that, yeah, you wanted to share, wanted to talk about? Just, um, you know, I I always, when I have a, have the platform, I want to, I want to tell people, you know, being, being that there are a lot of rural areas in the state with a lot of small schools, um, you know, they're kind of, they get overlooked a lot um, until they put themselves on a map. And uh, for anybody that's listening out there, that's, you know, a small school coach, just, just keep battling, keep battling for your kids and know, know that inside the the walls of your program that you're doing, you're making a difference in their lives. And uh, you keep doing that, then, you know, be darned with the result. If you're, you're doing that, then you're doing the right thing. Hmm, I love that. Cool. Well, to coach's corner, uh, I've got a few questions for you okay. um, to get your, I guess, advice, wisdom on some things. So first question is what advice or wisdom do you have for assistant coaches? How can they best support their team, their coach? Um, if they want to be head coaches eventually, how do they prepare? Well, for starters, I am a, and I'm sure a lot of coaches are like me, I am a bit of a control freak. I want my hands on, <laughs> on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a, uh, that's kind of a source of, um, can be a source of downfall sometimes. So as an assistant, you know, be willing to take on responsibility and understand that when you first take on that responsibility, just show like be there doing your responsibility but also constantly like showing your your head coach that you're doing it reporting to him because like I said as a coach I want my hand on everything Mm -hmm. so when I you know I have an assistant coach and unfortunately it may take them a little bit of time to earn my trust once they do I'm like hey that's your baby you you got the like you know now Mm -hmm. I've got a, a phenomenal sprints coach the kid that I coached he came back he's got a really good paying job at the French Lake Hotel you know and he coaches and does an amazing job and like I I don't unless he asked me for questions, which at the beginning, he asked me questions all the time. And he mm-hmm. did a great job with it. He was constantly saying, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And as him doing that, it made me see that he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And so he took something off my plate that I trusted him with. So as assistant coaches, I think it's big that you, uh, um, that you try to take something off your head coach's plate and, uh, show him that you're, you're capable of doing that. Um, the, what was the other part of that question? <laughs> um, or if they, if they want to be a head coach eventually, how do they prepare? So ask questions, lots of questions, mm-hmm. tons of questions, network, 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 mm-hmm. get to know people, not just only inside of your school, but outside of your school, because those may be potential people to offer you jobs. And I always say this to be so darn good at your job um, that, your your coach can't help but recommend you for jobs elsewhere because mm. if you're if you're shining it would be wrong of a head coach to to hide you you know mm. you, assistant coaches that want to be head coaches and they put the work and the time and the effort in they deserve their shots and if you're doing your job well enough there's no reason that you know a head coach's program should be a stepping stone to, to build other head coaches mm. um, you know you shouldn't you should be raising up head coaches. How's it? I mean, how's that sound? Does that sound better? You should be raising up head coaches to go out and coach. The coaches take, tree. Huh? 
build the, the build the coaches tree. That's right. And so, um, you know, if you you're building that coaches tree, you uh, uh, you've got to do your part as an assistant coach to just network and just ner- learn your craft, learn your craft, learn your craft, mm. learn your craft. Mm. That's, That's good. Have you heard of the book? Uh, I think it's called "So Good They Can't Ignore You" by Cal yes. Newport. Yes. Okay. That's a great book. I've not read it, but I've got it on my list. That's the problem. I haven't read it. I've okay. Got four books that I need to read. Okay, nice. To be honest, it's like the the title kind of tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Like there's some parts that were like a little, little long, but it's like yeah, just such a great principle. Like be so like you're saying, be so good at your craft that they can't help but hire you or or whatever the situation is. Correct. Absolutely. Um, what would your advice be for young head coaches just starting out? Um, I think it kind of goes along the same lines. Build a network. Um, the first two things I think as a young head coach that I, I felt like that looking back, I was glad that I did was I built I built a network of, of peers that I could lean on. And I also put pretty much all my chips in on, on, uh, on culture. Mm. And so if you, if you build people that you can lean on that, you can kind of build your team of coaches, not only your assistants, but people outside of your school that you trust and you, you, you got to build a culture that people want to be a part of. Mm. Um, if you don't have the culture that people won't be, a, that people don't really care about that culture, mm-hmm. it's easy for people to say no to your no to the program. It's kind of one of those situations where, you know, if you build a culture that people want to be a part of, then it makes the laws less likely, less valleys. Hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I'm a big culture guy. Is that that's like kind of like what we've talked about a little bit throughout here. Like that's that's the part of the I don't know, coaching aspect that's like you're building up these young men and women. Like that's the part that's I don't know, that gets me excited, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that, uh, um, I think that's a, that's a target that's missed a lot in coaching, code coaching, coaching, <laughs> uh, coaching in my, in my head here. Um, <laughs> but that part I think is missed a lot. I feel like there's a lot of, of coaches that come in gung ho about, I'm going to build a program that wins and wins and wins. And, mm-hmm. uh, they just spin their wheels and, uh, they don't understand, but they, you know, comes to, these uh um these kids they don't know you they don't know you as a person they don't know that you care they don't know that you're there in their corner um Mm -hmm. uh, you you know they a kid should know that your first priority for them is to graduate high school Mm -hmm. and your second priority should be for them to you know find their next path in life military workforce college Mm -hmm. whatever it is trade school you know they they should know that those are priorities in your life and Mm -hmm. um you know, if you, if that culture is not established and you, you don't put those as priorities over the winning part, you know, if they are priorities then the winning part takes care of itself. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that as you build culture as a young coach, you, you gotta, you just, you know, you have to show kids that they are a priority. Mm. I love that. Uh, what, uh, what wisdom would you have for coaches of combined girls and boys teams? 
How do you like handle it differently? Well, I got to Sometimes this is not easy, especially at a small school like ours, um, because the the candidate pool is kind of small. But um, I feel like you need to have a good quality coach of each gender on your staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want an all male staff trying to deal with females. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, I, if you you got to have females on your staff. Um, that's one big thing. Uh, another would be that there i don't know it's kind of those situations where we let our kids we do almost everything together as a male and female team um like when it comes to training but we all but you also like have to let them know and you have to let you know your coaches know that they don't they're not the same they don't Mm. train the same they can't handle the same type of training um and so you have to learn for as you know a young coach who would be doing both is you got to learn to you know, it's, it's completely different training males and females. And so you have to, you have to do a lot of adaptation and and be ready to think on the fly. And I don't know, it's just, it's kind of those things where over time you kind of get the nuances, but you can't come in Mm -hmm. with one flat program that you just think will cover all. It won't Mm -hmm. work, especially between males and females. You already have to do enough differentiation between male, you know, your best males and your your worst males are your best females and your worst females but like in between genders it's a it's a big deal um it's a big difference yeah absolutely it's definitely a lot to consider it is um what would you say to small school coaches looking to develop a a winning program well um you know i've i've hit on a lot a lot and a lot for sure um, and I've, I've hit a lot about, you know, just being genuine. Um, mm. You know, we have a, a, we have a policy at our school that, you know, um, you're, you're well with our teams, your grades come first. Um, you're, you're a student first, you're an athlete second. We mm. always tell them like, you know, you have to be able to communicate with us. So if you're, you know, you're trying to build a winning program, you have to show those kids pure genuineness. I mean, I don't know if there's any other way to say it. You have to genuinely show them what you're there for. Mm. Um, and if you're not genuine about it and you're trying to build a culture of a family type culture or a, you know, build relationships with kids. And then, but in, in your mind, you're like, how long is this going to take? I want to win. You know, it's, mm. if it's not genuine, it's not going to matter. Um, mm. kids, kids can see through you <laughs> i've coached long enough that kids can see through you and uh they they pretty much can understand that you're uh, um you when you're when you're not genuine and you know it, it's i've i've in self-reflecting like as a coach one of the things that i do a lot is i have my my kids or not my kids my coaches my assistant coaches evaluate me mm-hmm. and, you know i i do you know, we do evaluations on them. We tell them how we, you know, what we thought, like where we think they need to improve. And, but I always have them fill out evaluations on me because mm. if I'm not a good leader, it will be reflected in, in not only my, our athletes, but in, in our coaching staff. And so you have to be open to change, open to uh, suggestions when you're building a small program. Um, but you, you know, you also need to surround yourself with people who see things the way you see them. 
Hmm. You know, I got to the point where I was trying to find people to come and join coaching that had background knowledge. And I got to the point mm-hmm. where I was like, people, I started asking people, Hey, would you be interested in volunteering or helping out? And they'll say, well, I don't know anything about this. And I would say, well, guess what? I didn't when I started mm-hmm. as long as you, and, and I'll tell them you have good morals, you have good values, you care about the kids, you show up for these kids. That's all I need out of you. We'll learn mm-hmm. the rest. And, um, and that's kind of how I've built my coaching staffs. And so if you're, if you're starting to, you know, try and build a winning program at a, at a small school, then, you know, build your coaching staff of people who are going to have the same values as you. Yeah. I imagine it's, it's tough being, I don't know, opening yourself up to feedback and criticism and being willing to change. Like, how do you, where does that ability to, to handle that come from? Or It wasn't easy at first. Yeah. But I, I kind of got, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm picking the brains of people all the time. And I, you know, I felt like I was getting stagnant as a coach. Um, you know, when I also, I've always tell my assistant coaches, and this goes for all assistant coaches, some, every coaching staff has to have that guy who's the quote unquote bad guy, right? Mm does something mm-hmm. wrong you got to be the disciplinarian you mm-hmm. got to be the one who um you know takes them aside and is the hey i'm disappointed in you and you know truly if they they um if they care when you're disappointed in them they're going to show it mm-hmm. and so you know as assistant coaches you don't need to say hey you know your head coach was a, a jerk but you know you need to have a, a you know you need to be there to support them and say hey you know you did wrong, but hey, let's move forward from this. So assistant coaches kind of have the role to not be that bad guy, but be more of a, a supportive role. And so as I felt like I was getting stagnant as a coach, um, you know, I've always felt like coaching was a calling for me to, to kind of spend time mentoring the youth. And uh, mm-hmm. um, so when I was getting stagnant, I just, I asked it. I, I did a survey one year in a, with the team, like an exit survey. And I got a lot of good feedback, but then I thought, you know what? I want to ask my coaches too. And I, I, the, the exit survey with the, the kids was, you know, superficial because they're high school kids, mm-hmm. but, but coaches are going to, they're going to be honest and truthful. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of had to take it for, you know, with a grain of salt and realize that I may get my, my fillers hurt a little bit, but <laughs> we're just going to have to toughen up. And after, you know, the first year or two of it, um, I've learned that it's a really good thing and it has made me a better coach every year. So mm. it's kind of one of those situations where I'm going to, um, I'm going to use that to, to better myself. Now it's kind of ironic because last year I didn't do it and I don't know why I didn't do it, but in track, but anyways, um, but it, it's just kind of one of those things that I've had to, it wasn't easy, but I've had to force myself to open myself up to that criticism to be a better coach. Hmm. Were you surprised by some of the things that they said or were you, were there things you're aware of or? Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, I was aware of them. A lot of them have, have taught me. Um, I used to be, I, I wouldn't say like, I wasn't a, I don't know how to put this. Like I'm a, I'm a loud guy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm energetic. Uh, I run around practice, you know, clap my hands, pumping people up before me. I'm a guy who's like, you know, just, just 
constantly trying to get people energized. Um, but at practice, sometimes like I would, coaches said I would, you know, I would, uh, um, I'd be short and irritable with kids and stuff like that, like little things like that. And that's where it's opened me up to the, Hey, if you see me and I'm in a bad mood, you're allowed to say something to me. Um, mm. Just kind of those little things that you don't really, you don't really, you don't really catch on to. And mm. so that's where other adults, they catch on to those things. And mm. so um, I was surprised because I thought first couple of times it was going to be like, Hey, you, you know, you didn't, you need to do a better job of structuring this part of practice or, and you do get those things, but you get a lot of the things that have a lot to do with your, you know, your part, who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like to think I'm like a pretty self-aware person, but it is, it's tough to handle. Like when someone points something out that you didn't even realize or that like, man, was I really doing that? And you see it, it's, it's tough to handle for sure. It is. I agree with you. And if you, well, and if you, you build relationships with your coaches too. They kind of, they mm. learn to deliver it in a more tactful way than just, Hey, <laughs> you're a jerk half the time. And so, but you're right. It is. It, it's a, um, it's not easy to take salt in the wound because yeah. they, they know the wound was there until they start pouring salt on it. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to put it. Oh, uh, awesome. So obviously like the, the kids are the ones putting in the work, but it's easy to see why, why your your program is having the success that it is like your drive to be the best coach that you can be for these kids and then also to be just like a genuine person who cares about these kids you know well beyond their performances um i don't know i really enjoyed this conversation it's it's been it's been a pleasure yes i appreciate you having me on it's been uh, it's been very enjoyable talking to you yeah awesome um is there anything else you want to want to say before we wrap it up uh no um just uh i mean i don't know if this really you know if there, you know we talked touched about assistant coaches and young coaches and if there's i mean i'm easy to reach if there's ever anybody in this world that needs advice or wants somebody to pick their brain or wants to know about anything we do i'm i'm an open book give me an email or give me a call or find out again how to get a hold of me and I will I will help anybody and everybody sweet yeah um cool and I can if you're comfortable with it we can talk more after this but I can like put your contact on the the message board or when I post I'm about okay. this I'm perfectly okay with that okay cool yeah, I appreciate your willingness to to do that um sweet well thanks again I appreciate it I appreciate you having me. I uh, I love any chance that we can to shine a spotlight on our our program and what these kids do. So, um, it's a, a it's a blessing to get a coaching. But you know, anytime we can we can put them center stage, that's pretty cool for our program. So, mm, love it. Awesome. Well, everybody, until next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you.